Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome to the In Awe Podcast and our first episode on a new series, In Awe of Independence. In this series, we will feature strong women who will inspire us all with their vision and leadership as entrepreneurs in this world. You are going to love the guests in this series, and each one has taught me so much through their life messages and these conversations. We kick off the series with a strong woman who is a true gift to me daily. Janelle McLaughlin is an education strategist, consultant, presenter, coach, keynote speaker, and trainer. Over the years, she has been a classroom teacher and district administrator. Today, Janelle is also an entrepreneur, author, social media strategist, and tech enthusiast. She earned her bachelor's and master's degree from Ball State University and an administrator's license from Indiana Wesleyan University. These passions and experiences led her to begin her own company, Innovative Education Solutions. She gets to utilize her teaching talents by working with leaders at all levels to make their jobs easier and more efficient while focusing on the people. Janelle is a Google certified educator, smart certified trainer, and a Dell certified leader. Her specialties include leadership development, student-driven instruction, blended learning, one-to-one implementation, effective technology integration, smart technologies, G Suite, design thinking processes, STEM strategies, Chromebooks, Office 365 process management, and organizational leadership. She lives in Indiana with her husband and two children. I first met Janelle when she reached out to me via LinkedIn, and she generously offered tips and information that I would need in my own new consulting phase. She's the real deal. From her story, we learn how we too can take a challenging experience, reflect upon our purpose, and then launch out with our passions to serve others and make a career out of our strengths. I'm excited to share with you Janelle McLaughlin's independence story. Welcome Janelle McLaughlin to the In Awe podcast. You are going to have so much value to offer our listeners. I just know it. So welcome to this series specifically on entrepreneurs, Janelle. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Sarah. Janelle and I got connected of all things on LinkedIn because this woman is fantastic and she reached right out to me in a space right when I needed to hear her story. So I'm super excited for our listeners to gain from the knowledge and wisdom that that she has today. So Janelle, would you share a little bit about your context and your background in terms of what you're up to right now? Yeah. And I have to say that um, LinkedIn is my favorite social media platform, which a lot of people are surprised by that. But um, I have been a huge fan of Sarah and the In Awe podcast from the moment I discovered her and the work that she's doing. So that's why I'm super excited to be a part of it today. My short story of where I've been and and what I'm doing right now is I was a classroom teacher for 14 years, and then I was a district curriculum director for three. And the last four years, I've been a full-time educational consultant. And I live in a small town in northeastern Indiana, but I work all over the United States. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with a school in Mexico as well. So um, I guess I could say I work internationally. Most of the work I do right now is with districts around improving culture, developing leaders, and transforming um, teaching and learning to be more student-driven. So that's awesome. I I love that you've been at this for a few years. And and when I had the benefit of chatting with you when others weren't listening, you were able to share with me some more details about what that four years has been like. And I I think it's really important that we get to that because some people listening are going to be wondering about whether or not they should be fit to step out a little bit um, into the world. So I'd like our listeners to be able to gain some value from that. But 
before we get to that, would you like to share, Janelle, a little bit about maybe what propelled you into entrepreneurship? I mean, you were in the classroom, you led at a building level, I believe, or was it district level? District level, yes. Okay. So I would love to share because it all it all leads to where I am today. And my background is I've always loved kids. And I actually had a college professor tell us to never answer why we became a teacher in an interview with that answer um, because it was so cliche. And I, I just come back to you. I think that's bad advice because if you don't love kids, you should not be an educator. So um, I knew from an early age I wanted to be a teacher and I kind of fought that idea um, in junior high and high school, mostly because my mom was a teacher and I didn't want it to be a thing of, oh, Janelle became a teacher because her mom's a teacher kind of deal. And so I explored different um, ideas while I was growing up, but I always came back to to teaching. And so I knew right from my freshman year in college that that was the place for me. Um, I, I loved teaching in the elementary classroom. I loved my elementary kiddos. And I thought I would never, ever leave. Um, I'll also say I was influenced by the fact that I heard my mom multiple times growing up saying, I would never want to be a principal. I would never want to be an administrator. And <laughs> I was somewhat brainwashed into thinking that that was bad, I think. Yeah. So I, I knew the classroom was where I was going to be forever um, to the point of that I got my master's degree in elementary education also. I, I tell people now not to do that. If I ever get to talk to college students or um, people fresh out of out of their bachelors, I always say, please don't get your master's in the exact same thing you got your bachelor's in because there was little new growth. Um, I, I even got it at the same university. And so I didn't learn anything new and it didn't open any new job opportunities for me. All it did was move me up a little bit on the teacher pay scale. So anyway, at the time, that that's what I thought I was supposed to be doing and what I would be doing forever. Several years later, I had a new principal in my building um, and he came to me and said, the school board is wanting to add two new positions, um, a literacy coach and a curriculum director position for the district. And I would like you to consider applying for those. Now, prior to that, my former principals had asked me to be in different leadership roles, um, like different committees that I served on. I was on a principal's advisory committee, you know, so I'd had leadership opportunities, but that was the first time anybody had come to me and, and said, hey, I could see you impacting things outside of the classroom. And to tell you at first, I thought curriculum director, no way. Like that sounds super boring. I It would take me away from the classroom. I wouldn't get to be around kids anymore. But this literacy coach thing, that sounds kind of fun. Um, so I started doing all this research on what that would entail. I talked to friends that were literacy coaches in other districts and started getting super excited. In the middle of all that though, he came to me and said, so they decided they only have money for one of those and it's going to be curriculum because that benefits um, the entire district, whereas the literacy coach was going to be focused just at the elementary level. And he said, I, I still want you to consider it. And I think if, if that would have been the only thing from the beginning, I never even would have applied. But because I had already been thinking for a month or two of this literacy position outside of the classroom, it made me stop and think about this other possibility too. I talked to other curriculum directors at other districts. I got the job description um, from from my home district and discovered it was about a lot more than writing curriculum, which is what was in my head. And I was at a small district, so I got to do so much beyond 
a traditional curriculum director role. And I absolutely loved it. It was, it was challenging. I got to create this role um, on my own because nobody had been there before me. Um, I had a ton of freedom in developing what that looked like on a day-to-day basis and found this fire reignited in me that I didn't even realize had been dulling. Um, I would have told you I was still happy in the classroom, but it was when I made that change. And I think it was just because of all the new learning and growth that came with it. Um, I was just on fire uh, and absolutely loving life. (laughs) And so it was about three years later, though, when I decided I needed to make a change. And I actually left that position without another job to go to. Started reevaluating like what what's next for me. Um, it would have been logical at that time. I also had my high ability certification, and I went back and got my building um, level principal license. So I did go beyond that master's in elementary education. I had some different opportunities, but building level principal had not ever been on my list up to that point of of roles I wanted or desired to be in. And so it didn't seem like that was the natural next step for me. So I spent um, a year actually as a long-term sub and really just thought through what did I love most about being a curriculum director. And it always came back to that professional development piece. Um, I worked one-on-one with principals, helping them set goals for their schools and, and setting or like creating little mini action plans with them on a monthly basis. I led small groups of teachers through that writing development for um, curriculum through that whole process. I did a whole lot of school-wide professional development on a monthly basis um, around different initiatives. So it all came back to the different pieces of professional growth that I got to lead other educators through, which made me start looking into consulting. And um, I did what a lot of people do with me right now. I have people reaching out to me all the time um, asking me how I got into consulting and whether I like it. And that's actually what I was doing um, during that year. I just connected with people on LinkedIn and um, was just sending them those kinds of messages. And to be honest, I didn't get a whole lot of great feedback at that time until in in that process, I had a gentleman find me on LinkedIn and I don't really believe in coincidences, but it was like at the exact right time that he found me because of a mutual connection and and he has um, a consulting company, but had a lot of secondary people and not really any elementary people. Um, and so we talked and our personalities were a good match. Our philosophies of education completely lined up. So we knew right away that we wanted to work together. Um, and that is actually what led me to open my own consulting company. And it was because I had that uh, that safety net of a company providing work for me um, along the way. So I feel like I'm a lot more fortunate than other people that are starting out in the consulting business because I had some financial stability from day one. Um, I also, that also allowed me to connect with schools immediately because he gave me those connections. So it it was really um, an enormous blessing that has just continued to grow um, and shape me as a leader over the past four years. That's so awesome. And I listened to, that was a, a lot of really great backstory on you, Janelle. And it made me smile when I was thinking about a couple of things. One, when you said that you really loved the curriculum position that you were doing because you got to build it. And I thought, oh, that sounds pretty entrepreneurial in spirit. (laughs) (laughs) That awesome opportunity to be inside of an organization, but to have that support to build something while you're 
while you're working through it. Not everybody has that drive or desire in them. And so that was kind of cool to hear. And and then how that's impacting you today and, and how that's maybe built some of your confidence. And another piece that I, that I kind of hooked into as I was listening was this idea that you had a nice transition uh, for that to bring you to this space. But, you know, I know that anybody who's listening and, and kind of thinking, I know that there are plenty of people out there that are resonating with your message right now where they just, you know, loved the classroom and, and loved the work there and might be ready for something else. And as you stated, people reach out to you uh, as you did. So what do you think is the best part of what you're doing now? I think it's hard to name one best part. I think it comes down to, I have always wanted to make an impact in education. That's why I became a teacher was to impact the students in my classrooms. Then when I moved into the role of curriculum director, I got to impact more students and more classrooms because I was working closely with teachers and principals all throughout the district. Um, And that was one thing that I didn't understand until I made that move. Um, I was just thinking about that I wasn't going to have that direct relationship with students. And I was really regretting it. Actually, the summer before I made that that move to district administrator, I was kind of going through this, oh my gosh, what did I do <laughs> kind of thing over the summer um, because I thought I was going to miss those kids so much. And and really, I, I don't. And I don't, I don't think that that's a negative thing. It's because I now form relationships with the adults that I work with. And I know that the impact I'm having on them is trickling into their classrooms and into the school buildings or into the districts, depending on what level of educator I'm working with. I I can feed my need for teaching through um, the people I'm working with now as a consultant. And I feed my need for building relationships in the same way. I'm not building relationships with the seven-year-olds, but I'm building them with the people that are teaching those seven-year-olds or, or other grade levels. So I think the, the very best part of what I do now is just the broad impact that I get to make. Um, but on top of that, I have to say the freedom is really far up there too. <laughs> I have a lot of freedom in what I do. And um, I think you're right as far as when I got to build that curriculum director position, I didn't even know that that was something inside me that that loved to have that um, creative freedom to do that. And now I get to do that all the time with the work. Um, Obviously school districts, the people that I work with there have goals in mind and missions in mind that they want me to help them strive towards. But the way we get there is a lot dependent on, um, on my guidance. They give me a whole lot of freedom when it comes to how we do the work. And I appreciate that. And, And I think that's what continues to keep me on fire every day that I do this. Well, and listening to that too, just gets me fired up because we do um, crave that autonomy, right? For motivation. We know that from Pink's research, maybe would be the one we could point to that, although there's a wide range of sources we could go to, but autonomy and mastery. And as I was listening to you kind of talk through your hesitation on the principalship, not just because maybe your mom was in your ear when you were a child and (laughs) that might've formed your thought process, but you know, the principalship is such a Um, especially depending on context, wide ranging skilled role. And it sounds to me like what you've been able to build is this beautiful, focused, strength-based mission that you have where you are able to take all the best parts in that professional development and now bring it to a wide range in your audience. And that is incredible. You're not dealing with, um, you know, the 
the other aspects of maybe the managerial side of that principalship, but that um, idea of building others and having that wide ranging impact in a wide variety of spaces is really intoxicating to, to hear. Just sounds like it's really niche and kind of beautiful for you. Yes, it is. And and I'll have to say my my opinion on the principalship has changed over the years. And I do feel like that's something that I would enjoy at this point. Um, it just wasn't on my radar four years ago. <laughs> yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, and of course, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about some advice or some, I don't know, vision um, that I'd been given from one of my supervisors. Cause same thing, I think people see things in you and it sounds like you've had that experience where that's how you kind of got out of the classroom as somebody seeing the leadership ability in you. And we can't forget that, you know, as we're listening here and just to take a moment to say, we have the opportunity as, um, listeners who are in leadership positions to grow other leaders. And it's really critical that we do that. But I was thinking about a conversation that I've had with a person who supervised me and actually two of them who continue to tell me that I belong in the superintendency. And my biggest hesitations on that have always been what you voiced, which is that lack of transactional relationship with the kids. You know, I was kind of perceived the further away you get, but I've seen models do all of those positions really well in being able to keep maintaining relationships with students, but as you stated, relationships with adults and impact across a wide variety of stakeholders. So I'm glad that you shared that your your perceptions of that role have changed as well, because mine continue to grow every time I expand my thoughts and talk to people and broaden out the context and, and think about what that might look like. Um, and I think that's what entrepreneurship really is, isn't it? It's a constant change and, and growth in views and practices, all of it. So what is one of, can you highlight, and I didn't prepare you for this question, but just curious, could you highlight a couple of examples from the field that have maybe grown you in, in positive ways, like schools that you've worked with that kind of opened up your own mind? Cause you're doing such a great job of impacting others and helping grow them. But I'm sure you've grown just as much in the last four years. Is there something you could pinpoint that has been a gift that this entrepreneurial journey has given you? Yeah. And Sarah, I tell people all the time that I've grown more professionally in this role than anything previously added up. And I think it's because I do get to work with so many outstanding teachers, principals, instructional coaches. Um, I, I really am fortunate that I usually get to work with the cream of the crop. I mean, the people that, that agree to work with me have that growth mindset, which makes all the difference. Um, mm -hmm. one, one school district in particular has a special place in my heart, mostly because I've been there for three years. So they keep having me come back and working with um, different groups and in different capacities. And um, it's a district called Pflugerville near Austin in Texas. And when they first, um, first hired me to work with them, I was coaching teachers and their instructional coaches. I do a lot of job embedded coaching where um, I, I help teachers write goals and we write action plans. And then I observe um, them teaching and co-teach or model if they need it. But most of the time it's, it's observation. And then the powerful part of learning, um, and I've had person after person tell me this. So it's not just my opinion, but the most powerful part of that whole experience is the debrief session um, where we reflect on all of it after the, the lesson. Um, and I think people in general don't take time to be intentionally reflective. Um, that was something that I made sure I did once I became a curriculum director and I've carried it over into my role as a consultant. After I worked with that first cohort of teachers, um, 
they asked me to um, expand that and work with more. They've got 40 schools in that district. And so you can imagine it's, it's kind of a small trickle. Um, and so the next year or the next semester, actually, I worked with a new cohort of teachers. Then the following year, I got to go back and work with a cohort of principals. And in my own personal view is that I think that the leaders should have to go through job embedded coaching first <laughs> because they don't understand what their teachers are striving for, um, then they can't support the teachers as well. So mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, most districts will spend the money on the teachers first um, and administrators after that. And so it, it still works. But I got to go and work with a cohort of principals at that point. And one of those principals who I had been in his school um, the first year working with with a few of his teachers, he asked me to do something school wide, um, which I've not had the opportunity to do um, that in depth of a program school wide with any other school in in the U.S. And it was phenomenal to watch teachers who kind of huffed and rolled their eyes at me in the very beginning when I was asking them to stretch and grow to being like, I, I would call them my most improved students um, because the the things they were doing with their kids was just phenomenal. And that was super exciting for me to see an entire school embrace this challenge and rise up to meet it. And now I'm back at that that district and I'm helping build their instructional technology coach um, group so that they can continue doing the work that I've done um, at the school level and they can kind of grow their own program. So it's been, I think what's been rewarding for me there is that I've worked with teachers. I've worked with instructional coaches. I've worked with building level leaders. I've worked with assistant principals, and now I'm working with district leadership teams. And so it's just been fun for me to be able to see how this this um, single vision plays out at every level in a school district. Well, and it sounds like you're able to give a lot of focused attention where I can really appreciate that you point out districts aren't probably prioritizing their leaders in the coaching. And, and, I'm, and I think that's probably because there's this perception that leaders can do all the coaching and, and we just have all the answers. It's just not accurate. <laughs> you know, There's so much. I think we've already referenced this, like even at the principal level, there's just so much that that a, you know, a principal in general in any context needs to know. And I'm glad you used that example because that's such a large district. And I think about all the supports that could be in place in a district like that. But then there's also the idea that um, the job is just as big as it's going to be no matter what you're doing. And when I think about my context, you know, being the only principal in the roles that I've served, coaching um, is it's important for every position. It's important for everything we do. World-class athletes have coaches. I know that Peter DeWitt and, you know, Dwight Carter are two people that I've looked to in my own network that are working in this space. And and it sounds like there's just a lot of reward and reciprocal reward that's coming from your work there. And I'm just, thank you for using that example, because it's good for us all to hear that um, that's a, not only a service out there from someone like you, but also that, you know, if you're in a position in a district where you have leadership role, you're a superintendent listening, this is not something that would be a waste of money. And I love how you're building capacity in that school too. That just sounds phenomenal. 
What a great example. Thanks. Well, and the part that I love about with the coaching, regardless, but but especially at the leadership level, is it's all job embedded. You know, we, we aren't asking people to give up time from their building or from their office, you know, to come spend a day. We're asking you to let me come in and sit with you side by side and work on a goal that is personally meaningful to you. You know, it's all very personalized professional growth. Um, and it's side by side, as opposed to removing you from your home location, you know? So I think that's one of the things that makes it so rewarding as well, because it's so directed. Well, I'm in, um, you want to start becoming my coach, come on over to my basement and we'll chat. (laughs) Well, that's right. We're doing that already. It really does sound, um, incredibly effective. And I'm just so excited for you that you've been able to venture out on this kind of, well, it's risky being an entrepreneur. Let's just be honest for anybody is risky. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what industry you're in, what skill set you have. I would imagine. And so I want to ask you that, did you have to fight, you know, the inner critic in that year when you kind of made the the leap, even when you worked for that consulting company and then after, can you speak to that at all? So I, I think all of us have to fight that inner critic at, at some point. And I am pretty confident professionally. <laughs> I feel like I'm really good at what I do. Um, I'm not saying that to sound arrogant. I'm saying that because I am confident in my abilities and my experiences and my passions. And I think that all helps Um, empower me to do my best work. But um, leading up to that, I I didn't really share why I left my my old district, but um, I had a really poor leader um, in a boss. I had always gotten really good feedback as a teacher. Um, My first year as curriculum director, I could do no wrong. (laughs) You know, I mean, I got really good feedback then, but but my superintendent was just not a nice person. And so by the end of that, my three years in that role, I was really beaten down. I, I questioned myself professionally. I questioned my abilities. That took a long time to build myself back up. And I think taking that year off, um, that I, I shouldn't say a year off. I mean, I was teaching during that year when I was doing a long-term sub position, but that year was kind of my exploration year as far as what am I good at? Where am I going? What do I have to benefit others? Um, I also was, I was able to reconnect with kids during that year, which I needed. I just needed their energy and their joy again. Um, I also got to work for a really good principal and I needed a good leader after, you know, three years of, of some really hard stuff. And so all of that, that really challenging time of my life, um, fed that inner critic. And so there were definitely times where I had to think, oh my gosh, do I even know what I'm doing? Or, um, these people have hired me and they don't know that this is my very first consulting job ever. You know, <laughs> there were, there were definitely times like that where I had, um, I had to really intentionally build myself up. And I think that's probably the key is you do have to have really good, um, self-talk to the point of, of being your own, cheerleader, because, um, you can't always rely on other people. I have fantastic supporters in my life. And, um, I, that also helped me that transition time also helped me figure out who to surround myself with, which people were going to be my inner circle. Um, and I have those people, but I also, it's not fair for me to rely on them to build myself up because they're not in my head knowing when and how I might need that. I think that 
you just have to learn how to combat that by um, surrounding yourself with positive images, positive quotes, positive books, positive podcasts, you know, like whatever I can do to help feed myself um, and feed my soul that that's going to help build me up and fight down that inner fear, that inner critic that that comes out um Anytime, you know, we, we turn our back on it. I thank you so much for sharing that piece of your journey, because I know that listeners, there are some people that just needed to hear you uh, because, and I said this, probably it sounds like a repeat for those that listen to the podcast, but this idea that, um, you know, we meet people on their journey at a certain point and we think that, oh, they've got it all figured out, but not me. You know, I don't have this figured out. And I just really appreciate any time one of my guests and you specifically, Janelle, would share that kind of vulnerable moment where you had felt beaten up. Um, but that now we can fast forward to your journey that you've pushed through that, that you're pushing through this, you know, inner critic, but that you're gifting other people with a solid leadership model for feedback because we all can grow, right? You just said that. So I don't know the context of all of that and rehashing that. I'm sure you've done that in your mind several times, but there are ways to handle critical feedback and there are ways to handle, um, you know, positive feedback. And I love how you said that in your first year, you could do no wrong. Um, and then <laughs> it was like, you were fighting this battle and, and who even knows like the, the, um, complications of communication and all of that, but that you're now re-gifting maybe part of the hardest parts of that experience by helping others grow, even in the example you shared earlier with those teachers that maybe were rolling their eyes at you first, but now have become these, you know, they've grown and doing great things for kids again, because we all can grow. Um, so I just really value your story. And, and for you to share that is huge. So thank you. I really appreciate that you said that everybody has an inner critic too. And we can be outwardly confident and inside going what the heck. I mean, I, I look to Brene Brown for this too, for us, because she's obviously so well known, so well read. And yet she shares all the time. And I've started using that. This is the story I'm writing. <laughs> this is the story I'm writing about this situation. And it's so helpful if we can kind of, like you said, intentionally um, affirm the positives and intentionally speak life into ourselves and just be self-aware enough to realize when that critic is taking over and when we need to push it aside. I'd like to know you've shared some of the struggles and we've, we've heard some of your successes. And I'm just curious for anybody who is thinking about leaping into this entrepreneurial world, do you have any sage advice or the, you know, I would never do it this way again, or if I could do it over again, this is what I'd think about that you'd share? My advice that I give to anybody asking me about getting into consulting is to make good connections. And that may sound cliche, but um, I, like I told you before, at the very beginning, LinkedIn is my favorite social media platform. And, and that is because I've made some of my um, like deepest connections through LinkedIn. Um, I find I find anybody that is in leadership or education, not necessarily both, because I think that we can learn from any industry. But I, you never know where those connections are going to lead, um, and not to give up there. For every um, like 10 people I connect with, probably only one actually responds back to my personal message that I send them after connecting. And that's okay because I, I don't have time probably to try to nurture 
you know, all 10. Um, I, I, I always feel like the right people connect back with me um, who are supposed to. And not all of them lead to work, but all of them lead to some kind of learning, which I think is more important than like getting the next contract in hand, because I've got to continue learning in order to continue being effective in what I do. So my, my advice is always to build connections that are authentic. Um, take time to talk to people. I don't know how many times I reach out to someone and they can't believe that that I'm actually taking time to set up a phone call with them and not because of who I am, that just that people don't take time to do that. I can email people, but you don't really get a feel for their story or for um, how you can help one another until you talk on the phone. And I won't say every phone call is super beneficial, but um, there's something I can take from every phone call. So I think it's that, that connection part and building relationships that I think is so important to building any kind of business um, and being successful at it. Well, spoken like a true uh, community builder, um, teacher, leader, all of those great skills that you've brought to this new arena. And I have been a primary benefactor of that. So thank you, Janelle, for not only giving that advice, but living it um, because it really does matter. And it's mattered for me truly in this new space for that I've been in. Good. Okay. So getting to a couple of standard questions for the in awe podcast. One is Janelle, if you were able to write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what advice would you give that person and why? I think that it would be to focus on the positive and to believe in, in my worth. I can look back and always feel like I was striving for something more at just about any age. If I look back at myself on those ages, it was like I was never quite satisfied with where I was. And while that drive is important and has helped me through every stage, I think I would go back and say, focus on what's good about you right now and just believe that you're worth it. That's really great advice. And I love how you say it could pretty much be at any stage. And it sounds like you have that personality of kind of like an achiever. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. How about as an influential woman, uh, what advice would you give to anybody who's finding themselves in a, in a pit of fear or doubt, and they need to hear your voice to help them out of it now. I think it goes back to basically what I was just saying that I would write to myself is just believing that you're worth it, whatever that might be. You're worth taking time for yourself. Um, I think as women, we often don't think that we should take time to do whatever we need to recharge. So I would say you're worth taking time for yourself. Um, you're worth surrounding yourself with the right people. It's okay to weed people out of your life that are toxic. I think that's also something that's hard for people that are relationally minded um, because we always feel like we can make it work. <laughs> we can make that relationship good for everybody. But I've come to the point where I do believe there are people that are not meant to be in my life. And so I think saying you're worth finding those right people. Um, you're worth whatever professional growth it is that you're seeking. If that means getting another degree, go do that. If that means listening to that podcast when you're exercising, do that. You know, there's there's ways to feed that professional growth and you're worth whatever that is and whatever it takes to get it. It all just comes back to believing in your own work. Thank you so much for that. I, I guarantee you there was somebody that needed to hear that and I'm assuming more than one. So thank you for those words, Janelle. So how about some awe-inspiring recommendations? Who would you recommend our listeners follow on social media? Well, I really enjoy following Noah Daniel. And um, she's somebody else that I connected with on both LinkedIn and Twitter. She's a classroom teacher. Um, she's also a 
um, professional development provider. Um, she creates really cool out of the box experiences. I, you'll have to you'll have to look up Noah to find the way that she words it, but she creates really cool projects for students that are authentic and engaging, um, and are are just super deep learning. So she always um, has something that that feeds me anytime I see what she's posted on Twitter or LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, we'll make sure to link her up in the show notes for listeners. How about a book that you would recommend? I love to read. Um, I mostly read short articles and blog posts professionally just because that that's the time that I have for these little chunks and bites. Um, when I do get going on a professional book, it usually drags on because I want to dissect everything that I read and I can't just like zoom through it. So I finally just finished Design Thinking for School Leaders by Alyssa Gallagher um, that I started like a long time ago. But I love that book in the fact that I really, really believe in design thinking for students. And so I love to see how she applied the design thinking processes for school leadership and how to um, just work through different issues, problems, ideas using that design thinking model. That's awesome. That's one on my shelf. So you're, uh, you are definitely motivating me to pick that one up and and dissect it as well. How about uh, for those that are looking to fill up their drive time or their exercise time, as you said, or anything else with uh, another podcast recommendation? So I I drive to Chicago area often for work. Um, I have several districts there I work with, and that's like a three-hour commute each way. And so that is my time to catch up on all of the in-all podcasts that I haven't listened to. And honestly, I'm not saying it just because it's you, Sarah. It is by far my favorite podcast Um because I am touched and energized and in awe of every person that you have on the show. So that that's what I do first. And then if I have extra time, um, the ones I listen to are Teachers on Fire by Tim Cavey, um, Principal Liner Notes by Sean Galliard, um, Noah Daniel that I mentioned before, she has a really cool podcast called um, the Personal Playlist Podcast. And it's centered around three different songs that that kind of show your identity. That's one I like working out to because it has those little bits of music um, worked into it as well. And Sean Galliard also does a bunch with music in the principal liner notes, but those are my go-to podcasts. I have some others that I, that I will um, kind of sprinkle in, but those are my favorites. Well, Janelle, you speak such honor and thank you because it matters so much to hear that. And I am now so excited that you get to be a part of this community with all kinds of listeners being impacted by your story today, which is, it's just exceptional. And I will make sure to link up those other podcasts in the show notes. They are also really great. Special shout out to Tim Cavey, who really has helped me with all the technical aspects of this podcast. So anytime we can give him a special shout out. I appreciate that. And the same thing with Sean, uh, really great quality recommendations that Janelle just gave. So Janelle, would you just go ahead and share with the listeners the best way to engage with you after this interview? Absolutely. So my um, company's website is www.innovativeeducationsolutions.net. Um, and on that website, there are ways to, to link with me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, uh, I don't have my Voxer on there, but I am on Voxer also. So that that one website for innovative education solutions has all of the other connections um, that way. So I love, if you didn't pick up on this, I love connecting with people and building new relationships. So I'm always um, open to new connections. Well, I am most certain that our listeners are going to do that and highly recommend uh, to anybody, if you have any questions or want to make a connection, do so with Janelle. She is a wealth of information. Her heart is just as 
wide open as she's made it sound on this podcast. And I highly recommend connecting with her. So thank you so much, Janelle, for this incredibly awe-inspiring interview and for giving us some of your time today. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been wonderful. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.